Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, literally, since we were in the book of Matthew. And so what I like to do is just kind of remind you of what we talked about, okay? It's hard to come into a movie halfway through and go, what's going on? Who's that? Who's the main character? So if you haven't been here, let me remind you. About two weeks ago, we talked about two men. There were two men in Jericho who were blind beggars, Okay, that's what we talked about. Now, one of them was named Bartimaeus. They, if you're, if you're a Bible student, you realize that it's blind Bartimaeus, but the other one is not mentioned. And I found that very interesting, and I'll tell you why. Because I believe, for some reason, I believe the reason for that is because the blind person in the say is us. If you go back to the place where you were blind, they would tell you about the gospel. Oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't know about that. I'm going to stick to my religion. This is me. But, but then all of a sudden the scales fell. You're, oh, wait, wait, wait. And, and, and you realized he is God. He saved me. And here's the thing that we, that blows us away. He loves us in spite of us. All our mess ups. He still loves me. And that we can't comprehend. But that's God. And so the second person was us. Now, here's what we learned. You ready? Our encounter, okay, our encounter with Jesus changed our lives. If you can say amen to that, if your life has changed. Amen? Has your life changed? Like one, like, like, let's just say this. At one point, you wanted to lay hands on somebody. And then you got saved, and now you want to lay hands on somebody. You understand? That's a changed life. You wanted to lay hands on somebody, where now you're praying for people. You guys understand that? You know, that's not me. That's not me. I'm going to kill him. Kill him. No, 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 no. No. And so again, that was the encounter. What changed? Here's what changed. You had an encounter with Jesus. You see, it wasn't just about, hey, I know about you. You had an encounter with Jesus. And a changed heart equals a changed life. A changed heart equals a changed life. And we studied all about that. Now we come to 21. Here's what I want you to see. In chapter 21 in the book of Matthew, we discover two kingdoms are going to clash. You go, who are they? Well, it's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. Those two are going to clash from chapters 21 through 25. You go, well, like what? Well, think about this. Jesus is headed. I want you to wrap your minds around this. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, and he's going for the Passover. And this is literally the final week in Jesus' life. Like today, we're going to see what what Monday holds for him and what Tuesday, but think about this. If today was Sunday, and this is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, but you knew on Friday that you were going to be hanging on a cross, taking your, your last breath, what would you do? And we get to see the life of our Savior and our King and our God. And this is the life. He's coming into Jerusalem for Passover. You Passover, yeah. Now, remember, this is one of three feasts, guys, that the Jewish people were required to attend. And 
they would study the Passover lamb for four days. They're doing this as Jesus comes into Jerusalem and they're going to, they're going to, you ready? Examine the Passover lamb. They don't realize he's the Passover lamb, although it's John the Baptist who said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And we're going to see that examination today. Now, Remember, it was about April 10th that we took a break from Matthew and we looked in the book of Luke at the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We called it Palm Sunday. It was such a sweet, sweet time. But here's what we learned from that lesson. You ready? In the book of Luke, here's what we learned. And I want you to grasp this. Jesus impacted everyone. You see, Jesus was for everybody. There wasn't one person while Jesus was on the earth that he did not help or minister or was open to. You see, Jesus was not a rich man's God. I come for the rich only. Nor was he a poor man's God. He impacted every single life. I think about the rich young ruler in whom Christ impacted and yet walked away. The Bible says sorrowful. What does that mean? Listen, that means that there are people in this world who are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is going to impact them that they're going to say, no, 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 thank you. I'm going to do it my way. Right? Wasn't it Frank Sinatra who's saying, I did it my way? I don't want to do it my way. (laughs) My way doesn't work. My way's a mess. It wasn't until at 17 years that I gave my life to Jesus that, man, I, doing it my way, I want to do it his way. And if you recall, remember, they're headed up to the Passover, and they, have, they all have a different mindset. As a matter of fact, think about, think about Matthew, right? It, 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 Matthew says that Peter... Peter had been taught, and they all had been taught all their lives that the Messiah, the Meshach, guys, was going to go to Jerusalem to rule the world. And so they're all excited. They're, they're in this huge congregation heading up, and they're singing as they come through old Jericho and new Jericho, headed over to Jerusalem. Boy, when we get to Jerusalem, this is going to be great. We're going to take over. Oh, oh by the way, can my son sit at your right hand and your left? It's like, oh, they, these people... I'm so glad you guys are not like the people of in Israel. Okay, you guys are just so compliant and so obedient. You're just awesome. And Matthew thinks, yes, I can't wait to get there. You see, Peter wanted to go to Jerusalem to rule and reign with Christ. A different road than what Jesus told him. He says, we're going to go, and the Son of Man is going to be betrayed, and he's going to die. You see, many people on the road to Passover, on the road to Jerusalem, expected that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome and set up his kingdom, and it was going to be glorious. Now, for the sake of time, go back to that study. Go back to that study, April 10th. Uh, You can find it on podcast, but here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to read verses 1 through 22. I'm going to make a few comments, and then we're going to slow down a little bit as we as we close up with verses 23 through 27. Okay, as the men, the kingdom of men, come and test, examine, if you will, God's kingdom. 
God's kingdom. Now, there is a lot of application, so I want you to grasp this, okay? I want you to grasp this. Matthew 21, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Everybody with me? It says, Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me, your attention, please. The very first thing we see as you go, wait, 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 I thought Jesus was riding one donkey. I thought it was one. All the other gospels show one donkey. Matthew shows two. You guys with me? Do you see that right there? Here we see two. There were two. There was a mother and a colt and, and an infant here, okay? And so what was happening is the disciples brought both of them. And the reason for this, I believe, is the Lord was teaching the disciples and us a dual prophecy. How so? He was riding into Jerusalem. The second one was riding next to them, but that was more of a picture of his second coming. When he's going to come into Jerusalem, not necessarily riding on a donkey, but he was trying to teach us that he is going to come Back. You guys understand the difference. He's going to come back one day. Now, I'm not talking about the harpazo, the rapture. He only comes halfway. We'll see him in the clouds. We'll hear the trumpet. And then we're going to go home. Now, your attention for just a moment. This is going on now. Everything seems to be pointing to that. Why is it pointing to that? Because it's pointing to the book of Revelation. Guys, where we're going to see a one. Think about this. Think about this. You have, you have the World Health Organization. You have one world currency, okay, crypto, whatever it might be. You have, I mean, I mean, we could go so depth. And then you're going to have a one world religion. Okay? All of these, everything that's going on, you think is a big pot and you go, I can't believe we're paying $4 for gas prices. I can't believe it. It's, it we're right there. So the point is, the point is, the Lord is going to come back. He's, he's warning us. He's saying, okay, he's saying, buckle your seatbelts. It's about to get bumpy. Right? Right now, we've been flying on the airplane. We're just like, hey, this is good. We're drinking our, our you know, our 7-Up, and we're having a great time, and the, the flight so far has been smooth. Little bumps here and there. And now you hear, boom. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Uh, it's time to buckle your seatbelts. It's going to get bumpy. And you can see that. You can see that with rising gas prices. You can see that with rising food prices. You can see that with all that's going on behind the scenes. Can I just say this to you? This is just, don't get sidetracked with all the little stuff they're trying to throw at us in news. Keep your eyes on the Middle East. Keep your eyes on Israel. Keep your eyes. You, you may not find it mainstream media. You have to look for it, but find out what's going on there. Find out what's going on there. But one day, after we're gone, and we're, we're having a party for seven years, did I mention that calories don't count in heaven? Did I mention that? At the marriage supper of the life. Isn't that great? We won't have to go, I don't know if I should eat that. And then Jesus is going to come back. 
And that's the second coming. Now, got to move quickly or else, Ben, you'll be here all day. Verse 3. And if anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord has need of them, and he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. So the disciples, here's what I want you to see, guys, if you have your Bibles. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. I want you to underline that, underline that. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set them on him, on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before them and those followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! To the son of David, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude says, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Your attention, please. There's some great application here. We read it pretty quickly, but here's what I want you to see. Okay? Again, we studied this in depth April 10th. But let me give you some application before moving on. Okay, if you're taking notes, there are five things the disciples get right. Five things. Now, the, the series Follow Me wants to move us from just attenders to being disciples. And so there are five things. You go, what's the first thing? First thing, jot this down. They obeyed Jesus. They obeyed Jesus. How so? Well, that's a, he said, hey, hey, guys. Yes, there's some cults there. There's a, there's two. Go, go and now whether he had prearranged it or supernatural, this is what he said. Can you imagine? They didn't fuss or frown or bug or question. Oh, Lord, I got a question. You're asking me to do this, but um, hmm, are you sure? What if, what if they, that's like stealing, Lord, and, 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 and they start arguing, and no, 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 here's what they do. They obey Jesus. This is a great thing that they do, right? And I think it's a great application for us. Why? Because that's what God has called us to do. We're to obey His commands. We're to obey His commands, not because we're scared to go to hell, but because we love Jesus. The Lord says, go. Amen. What are we doing? I don't know, but Jesus said, go. Let's go. It's going to be great. Hey, I got a question. Is that how you live your life? Is that how you live your life today? What do you mean? The Lord tells you to do, hey, I'm here, whatever. Well, how do you know the outcome? I don't, but Jesus does. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Why? Because God's already there. And I want to live my life that way. Why? Because that's peace. That's peace to go. I don't know what happens tomorrow. God's already there. God's already there. Amen. The second thing, take this down. They recognize, this is what they did, right? They recognize Jesus as the fulfillment of God's word. How so? Look at verse 9. Then the multitudes went before and those who followed, they were saying, Hosanna, son of David. This is a messianic term. Okay? So they recognize this is God. This is God. And this is something that we need to do right as we recognize that he is the fulfillment of God's word. Hosanna, Hosanna. Number three, they gave their resources to Jesus. Look at verse eight. Look at verse eight. And the great multitude spread their clothes on the road. 
And they cut down branches from the trees and spread them. They took their, they gave their resources to the Lord. This is something the disciples did. They gave their resources to you. Can you imagine? Sometimes our heart, sometimes our heart is stingy within us. It all belongs to God. And God starts to knock on your heart. And he says, hey, I want you to give. I want you to give more. Well, God, you said 10%, and I don't even know if I'm going to do 10%. God never said. Old Testament was 10. It was a tithe. But today, God says, give. Give of your resources. I would love to see a church. I would love to see a church that if there's a, there's a campaign to give, that we don't give of our leftovers because we buy new. Come on, somebody. Am I stepping on your toes? That we would go, oh, I could use a new TV. Nah, I'm going to go give the first fruit of that, and I'm going to keep my old jacket. Now, I'm going to buy me a new jacket, and then I'll give this. You guys got awful quiet. But the disciples gave of their resources. They gave. I knew, Pastor, now he's going to take up an offering. That's right, everybody get your wallets out. Let's go. No. It's resources. It's all that God has given us, everything. Like like Joe Mabry's going to give me all of his tools. I mean, that's just the way it is. See? But not today. <laughs> not today. He's still here. Number four. Guys, they work together in harmony. Look at verse 8 and 9. What did they do? They came and they brought branches and they all spread them and they were singing Son of David. They all work together in harmony. Guys, it's time that the churches start working in harmony together for the gospel. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Number five, notice what they did right. They confessed his name and they spread the good news. That's so key. Look at verse 11. And so the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth from Galilee. Guys, that's what's key in this last days, that we need to be telling others about Jesus. We need to be telling others. How do I tell others? Pastor Ben, I'm not really a good speaker. I don't know how to say No, no, no. Listen, this is how you tell others about Jesus. By the way you live. By the way you give. By the way you respond to the clerk at the grocery store. By the way you respond to all of these stuff. This is how you... Why? Because 90% of the time, people are angry. And so something goes wrong. They're angry. And we, you know, and, and... But we're different. We should live different. Our behavior should be different. We should live, okay, okay, okay. So why are you so different? Most people are mad. Oh, because, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal, and the Holy Spirit lives in me. And listen, it was a simple mistake. People make mistakes. It's okay. That's weird. And then we're able to share. We're able to share. Make sure you share that your life is changed because of Jesus and not because you're just a good Lubbock Texan. You understand? I mean, there's good people out here, and there's great people. I love the people here. But I want people to know the reason I'm this way is because Jesus, I've had an encounter with Jesus, and he changed my life. And he can change yours. 
See, I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm asking you to have an encounter with God. An encounter with God. Five things the disciples did right. Moving on, verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who sold in the temple and overturned the, ta- the, the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold dove. Now, notice the term here. Okay, so he goes into the temple and I want to unpack this because I want you to see the term he drove them out. What does that mean? Jesus comes in and he... I mean, if you were there, you would think, this guy's nuts. This is Passover. What are you doing? You know, first of all, on a little donkey, right? He's riding in, and next thing he goes, he's like, oh, and he starts throwing over tables, and he's letting the doves go in. I want you for a moment, church, listen to me. Put yourself in the sandals of those in the temple. So there you are. Jesus comes in and he's just, he's upset. He's visibly upset. And what does he do, guys? Notice he overturned the tables. I mean, this is not a, what is going on? There's Jesus going, stop it. And he's letting the doves fly away. You know it's a big ruckus. Can Can we grab that, okay? But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. In essence, what they think he's attacking is more than the fact that they were buying and selling in the temple. What do you mean? The reason they're so upset with Jesus in the temple is this, because they think, first and foremost, they're attacking their reputation. Their reputation. Okay? I want you to think about that. What do you mean? Well, there they are in the temple. He comes in and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. The second thing they think he's attacking is their wallet. Why? Because you imagine, your livelihood for the most part is you go home and your wife says, so honey, how did you do today? How much money did you make? Well, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this, man. I just set up my table and this, the, you know, G, you heard Jesus, right? You heard Jesus, he comes in and he went nuts. He went ballistic, man, and he started turning over tables and and I didn't make any money. Uh, excuse me? You didn't bring home any? No, he threw the do- He let the doves go. I had to get that, Jesus. He's attacking my wallet. In essence, he's also attacking the economy of the city. Here's the point. You ready? You ready? Grasp this, okay? Jesus comes into the temple and he confronts them on a very important spiritual issue. It's spiritual. You shall not make my father. What are you doing? It's spiritual. And they react like he's confronting them on a more economical issue. Their reputation, their wallet, the city, all of this stuff. And I thought about that. Aren't we not the same way? When you witness and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, a lot of times you'll get a very stern, I don't want to talk about this because because he's going to, again, confront us. The Holy Spirit is going to confront us on a spiritual issue. We're not right with God. And what do we do? We, we, we bow up because we think he's going to attack us. Well, wait a minute. 
Now I have to do this. Now I have to do that. I can't do this. I can't do this. You're taking away all my fun. I don't understand Jesus. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You see how they responded. Well, Jesus goes on in verse 13, and he says, He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Now, look what Jesus does. Jesus is apparently quoting two parts of the Old Testament. He quotes Isaiah 56, 7 and Jeremiah 7, 11. And he's going, Guys, here's what you're doing. This is spiritual. My house, we should be, this should be a house full of prayer, and here's what you're making it. You're making it a den of thieves. You're making it a den of thieves. Verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him, notice, in the temple, and he healed them. Now, I want you to understand, because you guys are great Bible students, they weren't in the temple. They weren't in the temple area. Why? Because more than likely, it was going to be the temple court or the outer temple, because the blind and the lame were not permitted in the temple. You understand that? Which points us even more remarkably to Jesus. Because every one of us came to him blind and lame. And he'd go, oh, 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 no, don't come to the Lord. Here, here's what you need to do. Go get yourself cleaned up and then come. In a very physical sense, they're saying, no, you can't come in the temple. And they're beggars and they're blind. And Jesus goes, come. But Lord, I'm blind. I know, come. Come. And then the scales fall off our eyes. And he heals us. And that's what we need. And that's where forgiveness comes. But I'm so glad. But the Bible says that he was, that, that they came to him. Who's that? Who's that? And Jesus healed them. Could you imagine, my Lord, listen, I can't heal you right now because I'm going to die in a few days and I gotta get my, I gotta get my affairs in order. And listen, you've just been bugging me. Why didn't you come to me six months ago when I was, that's not Jesus, is it? Because he's not the type to, to. Our core values, guys, are to love God and to love people. And when you truly love God, you will love people. And even though sometimes people can be a pain, we still love them. We still love them, don't we? And sometimes when we're tired physically and people might need something, we still do it. Why? Because we love God. But when the chief priest, verse 15, but when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, what were they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Then he left them and went out to the city of Bethany and he lodged there. Guys, can you imagine the scene? Think about this for a moment. Okay, he's doing amazing, wonderful stuff. And the religious, the chief priests were upset. They're upset. They should have been rejoicing. They should have been like, wow. They're indignant. They're indignant. People were following Jesus, crying out to him. And the religious men of the day, 
we're going to do something which I call playing games with God. Playing games with God. What do you mean? Let me take you on a journey. There are times when we'll be in church like today, and the Bible begins to read you. Can I get an amen? The Bible reads you. Whether you're confronted with an issue in your life, or maybe maybe it's not church, maybe it's the radio, maybe you're listening to Radio by Grace, and there's a pastor on there that you really, really like, and and he begins to confront you, and or, or maybe it's a home felt, whatever it might be. Here's what happens: we too, at times, are confronted by the truth of Jesus that demands a response. And we have one of two reactions. You go, what's that? Number one, we will either see it for what it is, confess and repent. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. And we'll come clean. Or the second response is we'll begin to play games with God that we see in Scripture. Wait, 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 wait. What games? Well, hold on. We'll get there. We'll get there. I want you to see that, okay? Let me, let me say this again. When we are confronted by the truth, by the truth of Jesus Christ that demands a response, we will either confess, repent, I'm sorry, Lord, you're right, this is crazy, and come clean, or we'll begin to play games with God. Everybody got that? I'm going to show you the games in just a moment. But let's before we go, let's keep going, okay? Because we come to Monday morning. This is Sunday night. This is Monday morning of Holy Week. Verse 18. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing but leaves. Everybody see that? And he said to it, let no fruit grow on this, on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when his disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only say, only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. You go, what's, what, what happened? So Monday morning, Jesus comes and he's, and he's hungry. And, and he sees a fig tree and he walks up. He's thinking there's going to be some figs. I'm going to have a couple of figs. This is good. This is good. Modern day terms, you know, he's going to eat a burrito. He's going to eat a burrito because he's hungry in the morning and we don't have figs, so we're going to have a burrito. And um, there's no burritos. I want you to think about what's going on here. Jesus was near Jerusalem in the last week of his earthly life, in the last week of his earthly ministry to his people, and he comes across the fig tree. Everybody say fig tree. Now, the fig tree symbolizes the nation of Israel. You guys with me? That's, that's the symbolization. Okay? And Jesus comes up to it, and he sees leaves. There, there wasn't any fruit. You see... The reason why the lesson is so important is because Israel was very religious. They had tons of leaves. They're very religious, but they had no fruit. You go, what was the fruit? The fruit that resulted in godly living. So he saw, he saw a lot of religious people doing a lot of religious things, but he didn't see people actually living out the gospel. And so he comes and he's like, oh. You see, Jesus isn't angry at the tree. 
but he used this to teach lessons. You go, what lessons is that? Guys, it's crystal clear that we need to check our own heart and make sure that we're just not leaves, but that there's actual fruit, fruit of a godly life, fruit that we're living out the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we're praying, that we have a, we have a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you literally talking to him daily? A relationship, a wonderful relationship, and, 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 and out of that, man, out of, out of your life, the fruit, it just bears. You see, nobody should have to go to you and go, are you a Christian? Because we never go up to an apple tree and go, are you an apple tree? Why, why? Because there's apples. We see fruit. Now, you might go up to, if there's no apples, you go, I wonder what kind of tree this is. Because there's no fruit. People should go, whoa. That's, man, you're, you're a Christian, aren't you? You're, you're a born-again believer. You're a disciple of Jesus. Why? Because fruit's hanging all over us. Can I get an amen? amen. But what's fruit for? Does a tree eat its own fruit? Its fruit is for other people. Right? Lawrence, check this out. Oh, yeah. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Oh, Craig, this is, wow, that's a big apple, Craig. That's good. Awesome. And it's just, we're not doing anything, but we're rooted in the gospel, in the word of God. And so what's happening is fruit. I don't want, I don't want to just be leaves. Just be leaves. What do you mean? People are like, man, he's really religious. Because the other day I saw him at Starbucks and he had his head down. He's, oh, thou God. Please help these. You know, I mean, he's just religious. He's just religious. He's just, no. Then we have a, a real walk. We have a real walk. So now we come to our text. This is the test. This is the test. This is the exam that they're going to give Jesus. So that's Monday. He curses the fig tree. Fig tree dies. Everybody's like, oh! And so Tuesday morning comes. Now, remember, and this is key for the test. Why? When you and I are confronted with the truth of Jesus that demands a response, we will either see what it is, confess and repent, and come clean. We'll say, yes, Lord. Or we will play the same game we see in scriptures. Okay, let's look at that. Verse 23. Now, when he came into the temple, this is Tuesday, guys, this is Tuesday, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? This is kind of the tone, I'm pretty sure. By what? Ah. Jesus comes walking in on Tuesday. Hey, y'all. Hey, how's it going? Come here. We want to talk to you. Yes. By what? You guys get the point, right? If you're taking note, and you don't mind writing in your Bibles, this is the game called questioning his authority. Questioning his authority. This is what they're doing. Instead of embracing the Meshach, the Messiah, they begin to question who he is and his authority. You guys with me? Now, 
when these chief priests began to question and the elders began to question, three things happen. Three things happen. Now, remember, let me go back. This is so important. Jesus has come in and he's confronted him with the truth of who he is. You guys with me? This is who I am. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who's going to... And so what happens is that they have one or two choices. They should be going, Lord, forgive us. I'm so sorry. We confess and come clean. Or they begin to play games. Well, now they're going to play games. Why? You can tell what they're doing. Tuesday morning, they come in. They go, wait a minute. We're not going to, we're not going to repent. We're not going to come clean. What authority do you do these things? Who are you? Tell us. So they question his authority. Labor with me for just a moment. Because if you're taking note, the one thing that we see when we question the Lord's authority, you ready? Is the first thing we do is redefine his authority. Redefine his authority. What do you mean? What do you mean? When we redefine God's authority in our lives, we haven't come clean. Here's what we do. We ask, we tell God, God wants me happy and he would never ask me to do such a thing. No, 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 no. See, God, no, no, no. Uh, and, and you guys, you can, there's a whole slew of things that the word of God tells us that we should and shouldn't do and what's pleasing to him and what's not. But when we redefine his authority, then what we do is we take his authority out of our lives because this is not who God is. This is who I make God up. And God wants me happy. Doesn't God want you happy? Of course God wants me happy. And so what happens is God wants me happy. And so he would never ask me to. What is God asking you to do? That's the first thing we do when we question us. We let's redefine it. I need to redefine it because, because I can't live by God's standard. I don't want to. I'm going to question that authority. You go, what's the second thing we do? You ready? Not only do we redefine his authority, the second thing is we redefine his grace. You go, how do we do this? When we sin and knowingly sin, we redefine his grace to cover the very things that I choose to do. Come on, somebody. What do we say? I'm under his grace. That's not grace. You've redefined it. No, 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 no. Here, here, here's why. Because he, here's what we do. We tend to think that God is struggling in the recruitment area and that he would be glad to have us. So what do we do? I can live my life however I want to, and I'm covered by grace. I'm under grace. So you can go out and sin. I can go out and sin. I can go out and do anything I want to because, you know what, listen, God really needs me. There's not, and and that's what we do. We redefine his grace. But when you redefine his grace, trust me, church, it's not grace at all. What we're looking for is something to cover our own sin so we could get away with it. Number three, in the midst of questioning his authority, not only do we refine, redefine his authority, redefine his grace, we redefine conviction. Conviction. As the Lord begins to convict, and what I mean by that is weigh heavy on your heart about a certain issue, here's what we do. We tell God, mm, no, I can't do that. 
I can't do what you're asking, but here's what I'll do instead. You understand what redefining conviction is, right? Oh, Lord, I don't want to stop doing this, but here's what I'll do instead. I'll read my Bible more. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I don't, I don't necessarily want to stop. Uh, I'll go to church. I'll go to, Lord, how about this? How about this? And we, what do we do, guys? We tend to bargain with God. I'll do this, God, you'll do this. Maybe we'll do this. Are we good? Are we good? We redefine conviction. Let the Lord convict us, and we're like, no, uh -uh, uh-uh. Hey, hey, listen. He knocks on our heart, and he says, hey, 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 listen. Listen, the lifestyle you're living right now, it's not right. It's not right. And, 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 and he's very specific. He says, here's where, here's where, and, and you start going, ah, oh, Lord, I don't know if I, and then the pastor uses words like repent, and we gotta change, we gotta repent, we gotta turn from that, we know what's right, it's in our heart, we start beating fast. And what happens is that we begin to bargain with God. We begin to bargain. Well, God, I won't do this, but I'll do this. God, I can't do that, but I'll do this. And so, Instead of being, in, in, instead of coming clean, come on, somebody, you got real quiet. We redefine his authority. Look at Jesus' answer. And Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one thing. And if you tell me, likewise, I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Okay? So Jesus is going to. Answer a question with a question. You ready? The baptism of John, where was it from? Was it from heaven or from men? Uh-oh, now they have, now they have a holy huddle. Uh-oh, okay, good. what do we say? I don't know what he said. And here's what they said. He, they said, oh, okay, so listen, listen. Shh, if we say from heaven, then he's going to come back and say, well, why didn't you believe him? But if we say, no, John was doing it on his own, then the multitude is going to freak out because John was a prophet. Do you see what's happening? Two kingdoms are clashing right here. Two kingdoms are clashing. Jesus turns and says, hey, here's a question for you. The counter question about John the Baptist, what does it do? It effectively puts them in a corner. Whoa. But it's not simply just a clever question. Jesus' question implied the continuum between John's mission, what was he doing, declaring the Lamb of God, and Jesus's. Think about it like this. If John, here's what he's saying, if John was really God's messenger and the people are going, yeah, 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 and they wouldn't deny that, they would dare not deny that, then Jesus says, who is he that declared himself to be the Son of God? I'm the Father's messenger. You see, the Lord, he's just, it's classic God. Because he doesn't just answer because he's like, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a corner, you asked me a question, let me just, he thought about it, and he goes, okay, let me just say this. Tell me. Tell me. Well, no, John, John was definitely a, a messenger of God. He goes, okay, well then, 
Who did he point to? Well, he pointed to you, the Lamb of God. Yes. And I'm the, what? I'm the Father's messenger for salvation and grace. Verse 27. So they answered. Here's their answer. You ready? We do not know. Right? And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do the... Jesus doesn't have to tell them at this point. If you've walked with Jesus the whole time, you knew the authority he said. My authority comes from heaven. It's from God the Father. He says, listen, if you can't even answer that, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Okay, lots to cover, but as we close, we're going to take communion, guys. As we close... Um, let us be reminded what we've learned, okay? I'm gonna call, um, I'm gonna call the ushers up in just a moment, but let me go back. Let me go back real quick, because these are the things I want you to take away today. Obedience is, is, obedience to Jesus is key. Obedience to Jesus is key. Recognize who Jesus really is and follow him. That's key. Give and serve in harmony with your brothers and sisters. For the gospel's sake. Share Jesus with anyone and everyone. Share Jesus. I don't know. This is hard for church folk to believe. This is hard for church folk to believe. But God loves... Everyone. You say amen, but think about that one person. Think about the one person or persons that are seemingly systematically trying to destroy your livelihood and that you'd want to punch in the nose rather than talk to. God loves that person as much as he loves you. No, he does not. Those people are evil. And he loves them. And he wants to see them saved. And so we share the gospel. You see, free will is so beautiful. Satan and his followers is a different free will than ours. They had one chance. Their free will, they enacted it, they were cast down to, that, that's it, that was it. But your free will is how many times could we say no to Jesus and he still says, I love you. And then finally you go, yes. That's a different free will because he allows us to keep until we take our final breath and then we have no more free will. It's either heaven or hell. You go, what else? Now, Remember, when we're confronted by the truth of Jesus Christ like we are today, what does that do? It, 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 we either confess and repent, we come clean today, you go, Pastor, that's me, and, and, and that's you. And we make sure that we're bearing fruit and we're just not a bunch of leaves of religion. That godly lives for all to see. Those are some takeaways. Those are some takeaways. Don't play games with God. Well, God, why do you do this? Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bargain with you. Just, just come to the Lord. Just come to the Lord. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward now. 
we will pray and we're going to pass out the elements. If you'll do me a favor, if you'll hold on to them as we, so we can partake as a family. As you hold the elements in your hand, this is a very serious as well as a celebration. First and foremost, the Bible tells us that we must not partake in an unworthy manner. You guys with me? So if today you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, please don't take the elements. If you are not born again. But let me say this to you. If you would like to be saved, in a moment I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. You go, if I give my life to Jesus, then I can take it? Absolutely. Because communion is open. If you have offended someone, please get right before taking communion. You can simply ask that person to forgive you. If a root or bitterness has happened, then go to that person before partaking. It's okay. It's okay. It's a celebration. When we take communion, guys, here's what we're doing. We're declaring the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what saves us. And so what we do is we celebrate the gospel. So as as they pass out the elements, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. But you want to today. You go, Pastor, what do I need to do right now? I know the elements are coming to you, but, but look at me. If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, you, 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 might be, you might be a wealth of leaves. You're religious, you know about God, but you don't know God. But you know, all of a sudden, God is knocking on your heart. And he says, hey, today, I brought you to church so you can be saved. You go, what do I have to do? All you have to do right now is say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not in a right relationship with you. And in a minute, we're going to close our eyes and we're going to bow our heads and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm not right with God, but I want to be. So we're going to pray as the elements are coming. I'm going to give it just a minute. As the lights begin to go low in our hearts, if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you might have prayed a prayer sometime. You might have said this, you might have said that, but, but really you know it's in your heart and you're not sure. Pastor, I'm not sure. And, and you were saying some things and... To be honest with you, Ben, it made me realize that I'm not, I don't have a relationship like that with God. But you know what? Listen to me. You may not, you may feel like that, but you, you're one decision from coming to Jesus. And all you have to do is respond to this invitation. 
If you're here this morning and you've never given your life or maybe you're ready to recommit your life to God once and for all and God brought you here because he loves you so very, very much, would you do me a favor? If God is speaking to you, would you lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm ready to surrender. I want my sins forgiven. I'm tired of holding on to the guilt of my past. I want Jesus. I'm ready to get saved. Would you do that right now? Just lift up your hand. I'll wait on you. And I know God is already speaking to you. If you're not right with God, but you want to be today, just lift up your hand. Don't leave here without knowing my Jesus, because he has a plan and a purpose for you. Father, I thank you today, God, for your word and the truth in your word, God. I thank you that we can come to you and we can, and we can cry out to you, God. And we can say, Lord Jesus. Please forgive us. We need you so much. If you have the elements in your hand, guys, I want to just um, encourage you this way. Would you just take a moment to look deep within your heart and maybe confess to him the things you need to confess? I don't want to take this in an unworthy manner, Lord, so I confess those things to you. The second thing I want you to do is look back. And thank the Lord for all he's done in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. You're so beautiful. You're so amazing. And last but not least, guys, I want us to look forward to all that's going to do one day when we take communion in heaven. Right now, we take it on earth. This is, this is our first Sunday communion. But one day, the Lord said, I'm not going to take this until I take it with you in heaven. So if you'll look at me for just a second, if we'll lift up the elements, Heavenly Father, we look forward to what you're going to do. And we take this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's partake together. And when supper was ended, he took the cup and he said, this is the everlasting gospel. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Father, we thank you for your great love for us today. And we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.